All right, welcome to the Corner Three Show. Uh, this is RJ Garcia. Derek is uh, unable to be here today, and and uh, we wanted to make sure we got some sort of a finals preview pod. So we brought in a uh, secret weapon. We got on the phone <laughs> with us today. We got Eric Hauser. How you doing, Eric? How you doing, House? Actually, going forward, we're just going to refer to him as Hauser. That's how he likes to be referred to, and it's just more fitting. Eric would be kind of weird. I'm just putting words in my mouth here, but hey, everyone. I mean, is, uh, is that true? I think I'm only allowed on the pod, though, because Derek's not here, to be totally honest. I think uh, <laughs> we, have, we have a little bit of a different perspective on, on sports. I'm kind of, you know, as, as most of our listeners probably know, the Corner 3 experience, very focused on sort of, you know, the analytics side of sports. I'm, I'm, I'm every guy in a bar that should be deciding uh, the replay, the challenges that happen <laughs> in, in sports, so... Uh, that's, that's probably well, that's, just give it an intro on me. That's probably the best way to think about me. <laughs> I don't think you should sell yourself short. Also, um, Hauser is a first team all Illinois uh, football player, defensive end, and then also played for the Northwestern football team, a team that has, in some ways, publicly said they don't embrace analytics, but privately has employed a number of recruiting search firms to focus on the analytics side of football and also consistently. Outperform some of their underlying metrics, so I would say they're more analytic than I. And obviously, a oh. key member of the Northwestern football team. Play, played is a little strong, but yeah, actually, they, they have a few. <laughs> they, they take advantage of the uh, the the folks at the Northwestern to to really. They started to build up an actual analytics program at Northwestern, so it, you know, with the student body, so they're taking advantage of that, and they're they're finding different ways to pick out tendencies when it comes to sports and football, but uh, you know. As well as the basketball side is actually starting to get into as well, but yeah, um, obviously I think everyone just turned off the pod hearing about the Northwestern Wildcats. <laughs> so I feel like we should probably try to move to another topic. All right, let's get into the real meat of the matter. Let's get into here we go. Finally, we got NBA Finals. One team everybody kind of thought would be there all year, the Golden State Warriors. That's kind of what most folks had expected with the insane starting lineup, even though. It looks like they might be without one or two of those key starting five guys. And then obviously on the other side of the team that maybe less people were expecting. I'm sure there were still some people who had predicted it. I can tell you personally, I cashed myself a nice uh, Toronto Raptors win the Eastern Conference bet from this year. Not to brag too much, but Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors find themselves in the NBA Finals now for the first time. Finally getting over the hump. Finally, when LeBron had left, they finally had their time to shine. And uh, I think I think what's exciting about having Hauser here today is that we find ourselves with a large amount of disagreement on the Warriors and specifically one Stephen Curry. And while I see this um, series potentially being relatively open and shut potentially, um, I think that Hauser might think that uh, might not see the, the, the uh, Warriors the same way. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm also a Cavs and Blazers fan, so I'm a little bit upset about the last last four years and this last series here. But, you know, the first thing I I actually want to pick on a little bit, if we don't mind me taking control a little bit here. No, go ahead. When I I listen, I was doing a little research before, you know, I joined the pod here last week's episode, and you guys talked a lot about how the Warriors are so much more fun without Kevin Durant. And like I, I just kind of disagree with that. Like to be honest, all like right, all right. watching watching Seth, Steph, sorry, I, I always confuse the two, uh, <laughs> Steph and uh, and Clay and Draymond play. Just it, it just isn't that exciting to me. I mean, you watch these guys just run around the court and they just pop up open threes. Like I get it, they get open, like the good design, but like I, like I, when I think about an offensive set that's like satisfying to watch, it's driving, it's dribbling, it's little contacts, getting to the rim, it's take you know force creating your own shot and like those guys yeah they create off the dribble it's fun but like it's just like i enjoy watching a a guy create his own shot like a Kyrie irving or kevin duran or cj mccollum dame lillard throw my bias there a little bit but more than (laughs) than the guy and even lebron when you think he just drives the rack takes contact puts it up versus these guys that you know yeah they just get open shots and they hit them like that's it's just not that exciting to me i actually prefer the warriors when they have a duran on the team in terms of a team to watch to be honest it's it's interesting you say that because my my take when I when back when the OKC Thunder were the OKC Thunder was always that 
I enjoyed watching Russell Westbrook more than Kevin Durant. And I think kind of for similar reasons where I thought he was just a lot more, you, you're going, he's going, he's going, he's up full speed, and he's really going to the rim at all times. But I would, I would counter and I would say part of a big part of the reason, another guy that you really, really just love from this Warriors team is that <laughs> I think that Draymond Green is just clearly so much more assertive and so much more fun when Kevin Durant isn't there to ask for the ball right when the rebound occurs. He's pushing, he's going, and he's just been an absolute force. And it's like it is the way that I like to see Draymond Green play where he's making some incredible block or some rebound on one end, and then he takes the ball all the way down the other end and is able to either create a pass, create some sort of an open shot, or just even finish it himself. So I think I get what you're saying where just if it's all three-pointers, it's not as enjoyable in that sort of a way where you want some sort of variety to the offense. But I think for myself, it's the up-tempo that Draymond drives even more so that I find that it makes it more aesthetically pleasing to me than just having Durant going in, taking a fadeaway, long two, and it's just kind of like, all right, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that point. I think the when you think about like the, the, the pick, like I think it's just the pick and roll every time, whether it's on ball, yeah, off ball, yeah, that's every, every okay. single time you're just pick and roll and the guy either rolls the layup, gets gets a wide open layup, especially when you're playing against Ennis Cantor in the Western Conference Final. <laughs> or 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 they just have a wide open three. Again, especially if you're playing Ennis Cantor in the wide open in the NBA or the Western Conference Finals. Now I will say like uh, you know, I'm the biggest hater of, uh, of Draymond Green around. I, I've always been. Uh, I think he reminds me of myself a little bit too much. But uh, <laughs> the guy, the guy, like in the Western Conference Finals, that guy was absolutely unleashed. Like I, you know, my biggest hope right now. I mean, I'm spoiler alert. Gonna gonna root for the Raptors. Gonna 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 probably predict the Raptors. To be totally honest, but but but. Draymond, Draymond, I really hope if the Warriors win, that dude gets the MVP. Mostly because Steph won't, and that's just hilarious <laughs> storyline to me. And I hope that continues happening. But like that guy took over the Blazers series. Like I don't think he yeah, could, like people yeah. are all talking about how Steph was like the guy in that series. He killed it. Like Steph played fine. He scored over thirty five. I think every game. Was great, <laughs> but, like, fine. <laughs> but like Draymond was absolute. Like you watch the if you watch the game. And this is this is again my sports guy in a bar debating the game. Uh, if you watch the game, Draymond was the one that took over that game. I mean, right. he, the way he took the rebound and just would just push it, the Blazers couldn't defend that. I mean, they don't have any; their big guys can't fucking run, not 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 at all. Like, and right. the, the guy was so aggressive, and you just didn't see that for the last honestly three years with the guy. Like, you just have not seen Draymond be that aggressive. And uh, it really paid off for the Warriors. Like, I think that's what's unleashed. Like, people are talking about how Steph's unleashed, Clay's unleashed. But who's unleashed is Draymond. Like, he's the guy that's just – he's part of the offense again. Before, he was just the guy that stood in the corner and wouldn't shoot because he's a terrible shooter. I mean, now he's, like – he's pushing the he's pushing the ball. And, and you know, it, it helps because he's so tired he can't even yell when he's taking shots. He can't even be, like, a little bitch when he's every single time. Like, I foul. Like, he's so tired, which is great. I, I enjoy watching him a little bit more than – I think I think that it's kind of it's in, along those same lines. Obviously, we don't say this share the same way on on the, the uh, as the viewability of Steph, but it's kind of one of these weird things where the two guys that have sacrificed the most since Durant has gotten there hasn't really been Durant. It's been it's been Steph and Draymond, and those are the two guys for me personally that make the Warriors as fun as they could possibly be. Where like Clay's still getting his shots, Durant's still going to shoot, or they're going to want to make Durant happy, and they're very it's it's just. This is the thing. I mean, with this Warriors team, I've said this before a little bit with Derek, and I still think that this team will probably win in six games. That's my prediction. But when you see this team without Durant on the court, it just seems like they don't need to just, like, make him happy. And and his whole – and Durant, it just seems to be made happy. And, and it's like it's, – it's it's really depressing because, it's, because he talks about wanting to play and wanting to salute some of the old school players. And he just – is consistently needed to be pampered. It's just really, it's really such a shame. I feel like you're just trying to unlock my Kevin Durant hate. I was like, I was trying to hold it back, but uh, nah. I mean, the guy, I completely agree. The guy belongs on his own team without without having to drag these guys behind him. Wait, wait. And, and, and when you say that, when he belongs on his own team, and, and here's even more so what I think with him, I think it's gonna be a disaster the first year when he leaves. If he leaves this oh, year. Wherever he goes, I mean, if he's playing next to Kevin Knox in New York and these teams are just going to let Kevin Knox shoot as many threes as possible, he made disaster. 
and I mean, Russo. Go ahead. We saw what happened. We saw what happened with LeBron, man. Like, and I love LeBron, yeah, obviously, right. a Cleveland guy. But like, Kevin Durant's gonna have a worse fate. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about a guy that's an ISO. He's a great, one of the greatest ISO players in, in the league, and maybe ever. But like, the guy because he's so huge and has such good handle, and obviously can hit all the mid range. But like, you, you, you know, when you put him on a team with no support, he just doesn't work. Like, it, right. It, no, I, you know, no, I completely, completely agree. agree. He's going to struggle when he leaves the Warriors. But, I, I mean, I, you know, I, that's a whole other separate discussion. That's a good point. That's that's, that's, we should get back on to a little bit about this current series. So, obviously, we've got what we've seen in the last couple of series, the last five, four games, five games or so from the Warriors, is that they have these lulls. And this is where I think that if the Raptors are going to be able to win this series, it's going to be in this these times where – the end of the beginning of the second quarter where they're running out these lineups with Livingston, Alfonso McKinney, Clay sometimes is in this lineup, Andrew Bogut, and um, Iguodala if he's healthy. I mean, against the team like the Blazers against, no offense. I mean, that's not really a team that's really equipped to take advantage of it. But what we've seen with the Raptors essentially is that Kyle Lowry or um, Kawhi Leonard have been on the court for almost every single minute of this postseason. And, or especially as essentially from the second round on, they've played, they're playing an extremely short bench, and their bench is much better than the Warriors with Van Vliet catching fire. He's obviously not going to hit 15 of 17 over three games, probably in this, in this, what in this NBA finals. But I think the, the time to watch from me perspective, from my perspective for the Warriors is how will they survive these second units? How will they be able to manage this horrible bench that they have, even with? Obviously, the great players they have in their, their starting lineup, their bench is pretty terrible and even worse if, if, if Iguodala is not at 100%. And I don't know what you think about from your perspective on the last series that what the Raptors would be able to do to take advantage of this second unit that's so weak. I, yeah, I mean, I don't think they didn't even do that much. I mean, you look at the Blazers and the last – I mean, people are talking like the Warriors dominated them. The last three games they had – over 15 point leads in the third quarter. Right. Like if the if the Raptors have that, the Warriors aren't coming back from that against the 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 better team, the better team in the Raptors. I, I mean, I'm willing to admit that. Like you had Myers Leonard like just going <laughs> off against the Warriors. Like Myers Leonard. Like let me like that's just absurd. Like and, and you're going to replace that guy with a Mark Gasol like right. with a I mean, with a Siakam, like Siakam, whoever Tabaka, you got you got Looney guarding these guys. Like it's just it's just unsustainable. It's not going to happen. Like I mean, I I mean, when we get to predictions, I'm sure this will come through. But like I, you know, the Warriors are really weak without either Boogie or Durant. And like you mentioned, Van Vliet, and like is he going to be able to score, you know, 15 or 17 or whatever? But the the guy is going to be guarded by Quinn Cook. Right. Like <laughs> or Steph Curry, who's even like he's not a great defender, and like right. he's gonna do fine. Like I, I mean, I really don't think the Warriors have a path to success uh, against this Raptors team. So it's interesting because obviously, um, the way we this is presented on some level for today is that uh, Hauser is not as into analytics. I will say though, a large amount of the predictive models and the betting models so far have the Raptors actually as favorites, and. Especially, I mean, and that is assuming that Durant is not playing, and assuming that Boogie will be limited. But it, it's it's interesting, and the large a large part of that is the fact that these last couple of teams that this Raptors team has had to play have been at a pretty high level. Obviously, the, with the Bucks have been largely seen as one of the top three or four teams in the league. And you guys, you guys really days. just loved them last. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm taking the big L on that one. Uh, I was pretty high in the bars all year, and uh, it choked. There's nothing, uh, no other way to put it, but there was a bunch of chokers. But I think that when you take a look at – I still think that that team is better than – or has more of a challenge in some ways than um, what the what the Warriors have had to face to this point. And I think one thing that's, that's really interesting as well that a lot of people – it's like a lot of people kind of forgotten is that the home court advantage for the Raptors. I mean, they they didn't lose at home in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think think they lost one game at home of these of the four in the Eastern Conference semis. Um, this is a team that's been very strong in the North 
and they have home court advantage. And I think that it's going to be upon the Warriors to grab one of those first two games. And if they go back to Golden State down 2-0, um, I don't think they've faced that sort of adversary, adversity much in the playoffs in their entire run. Not not to mention you're talking about the going down 2-0, their, their first two games likely not going to have Bogey or KD. Right. Um, now, granted, you can use that as motivation of like, hey, we'd win this if, if we had those guys. But um, – yeah, no, I completely agree. That could also, you, that could also that. create some conflict in the locker room if it's like, oh, now Durant, you actually need Durant. Oh, oh, is he actually going to come through for you? And I'm sure, like, I mean, again, if this was a normal team, the normal organization, this drama wouldn't really that be that big of a deal. But this is not a normal team. Kevin Durant is not a normal superstar. And this has just been anything but a normal year for this team. Yeah, and and how is uh, you know uh, this is hot take territory, whatever. But like, how is Steph Curry and, and Draymond Green? These guys have found such success in their last series, and so much renown. And you know, they're they they're back to their old form. Like we haven't seen anything like it since twenty sixteen or whatever when they got to lose the Cavs. But uh, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> How are they going to react and now having to take this reduced role again all of a sudden after having such success these last two games? And, like, you couldn't, you could see this world where Draymond gets the rebound and starts pushing up the floor, and KD's like, okay, what, what's right. going on? What do I do now? Right. And then you, it's just like it totally changes the perception of the team. Um, you know, but, but again, I, I, I agree that you, people are discounting this, this home court advantage for the Raptors, especially given that. Without with the injuries on the, on the Warriors and the fake injuries from Steph, which I'm sure will come out, um, you know, it's you're just gonna see this. I think it's very possible they start the series two down two zero, and I, you they know, could go down two zero and then Steph three one lead. They could be down like, they don't with have a Steph with an injured Steph, and his calf might might be hurting or his ankle. Yeah, you're well. definitely about to go see the trainer and be like, "Hey, can you put some ice on this and put it in front of the cameras for me?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think that's a hot take, though. I think that's a very reasonable take where reincorporating this guy who's, I mean, it's it's kind of night and day how different their offense is at times. Now, I do think that Durant would be of a, a pretty big use in this series with being able to have another body to throw at Kawhi. I think that Durant is a little bit overrated as a defender, but um, having more options, more different a little Kawhi. Bit. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, I think if you put that guy in any sort of physical matchup, I don't think he fucking shut down LeBron at all. I oh, think no, LeBron just not. had to fucking carry the weight of the world on his shoulders. And like, <laughs> you know, like this guy when he gets when, if he goes against someone like Kawhi, you can take him in the post, you can take him in the mid range, you can take him off the dribble, you can get, or you can just stretch out the floor and hit a, hit a jumper, hit a three. Like, I don't think Durant can guard that guy. And like, even without Durant, who right. the hell's guarding? Like Clay Thompson, like he's the most overrated. Def- I mean, maybe not the most overrated, but he's a highly overrated defender. People always talk about how great he is. The guy can't guard Kawhi. I think they might. He can guard these, put he can guard these point guards that are tiny and yeah. he's seven. He's seven inches taller than because yeah, no shit. He can guard Damian Lillard. Like yeah, Damian Lillard's six foot three and he's right. six foot seven. I think you're have you know to it's a different on a bit. I think that Draymond's going to have to see some time with. With I mean guarding guarding Kawhi, then the tough part there is that they don't really have other guys to guard Gasol and Siakam if they're just gonna let co- their best imperial defender guard um, Kawhi. I mean it's it's kind of it's one of these weird things and and Dr- and that's Draymond's that's not Draymond's strong suit. He's not right. a guy that like he's not he's actually he's a great help defender. He's the best help defender like I've ever seen. And I you know if if people knew how much I hate Draymond, they know how much of a compliment <laughs> that is that I'm giving that to him. But he's but he's not a guy that's like I'm gonna isolate take isolation and just shut you down. He's a he's a help defender, and that's where you want right. him to be. And like you know versus having Looney coming over and trying to help, and then you have Gasol in the corner and knocks down a three. I mean he's not or like knocks down the mid range jumper. It's not that hard to versus. Myers Leonard was doing that last year. Right. It's like you know, how are you going to do that? No, I completely, I completely agree with all that. I mean, I think that it's it's one of these weird things where, for me, there's a lot of there's a lot of underlying matchups and stats that would suggest that the Raptors have a very good chance or will win the series. It's just one of these things for me that it I it's going to take a. I mean, it's going to take what it would take would be a LeBron James for me to pick against 
Draymond and Curry and, I mean, I guess Clay, but less so. It's going to take a LeBron-level players for me to pick against those guys in the, play, in the playoff series. It's just really tough to do, and I'm just personally not comfortable with it. And I think that if I were going to go to predictions here, I think we're going to go see Warriors in six. I think they close it out in Oracle, the last year of Oracle. I think they and they get the three-peat. But, again, it's, it's one of these weird things where I could easily see this going Warriors in seven, Warriors in four even. I could see this being Raptors in five, Raptors in seven. There's a lot of potential matchups on the board here. I think I'm landing on the most pop, most most common one in my head being that Warriors in six. Yeah, no, I mean if we're if we're going there, I, I, you know, I know it's a bit of a cop out to always say seven, but I think it's Raptors in seven. seven. I, you know, I think it's, I think they close it out at home. I, I think it's probably a close game, but I mean the biggest reason why, and it's not even you know all, even all the things we talked about, but I, I think that on the defensive end of the floor, I actually think the Raptors align pretty well. Uh, with the Warriors, like I think that right. they're able, to, you know, they're able to switch on most yeah. screens. They have they have athletic wings. They have, you know, you guess Saul, I guess, is a bit of a weakness, but you could you could always sort of hide them if you need to. Um, you know, if they if they approach this the right way, I mean, I don't think putting Danny Green on, on Clay and even Kyle Lowry guarding I Steph, think like part of the reason. Yeah, and part of the reason the Warriors or the sorry the Blazers had so much trouble is you know when you think about I love Dame and CJ but they're not the best defenders in the world especially you know CJ on Clay is a, a mismatch and Dame's right. trying to shoulder the offense and he can't follow, run around Clay like you know if you have Kawhi being able to just relax on Draymond Green and be a help defender and then take over the offense like you know you don't have the same issue the Blazers did where either Dame or CJ had to you know tire themselves out on offense. Um, but also play defense right. on these guys. So you could have Kawhi leading the offense, having rested on defense as a help defender, and then you got you know Kyle and just chasing around Steph, and you got you know Danny Green just you know bodying up Clay and making life difficult. Like it's just not, you know, I, I really believe that uh, you know it's probably Raptors in seven, but I, I, I actually think it's very possible to get Raptors in, in five. Yeah. I mean, I think you see a, a world where they win games one and two and, and three sort of like they have to win at home. They pull it out four, you know, at some point KD and, and Boogie come back and, and they, they make it, they get a W, but then, you know, you go back to that, that city and this team's so confident and Kawhi just does nothing phases the guy. And Drake is to the court side. <laughs> and Drake, and Drake is likely to, Start grabbing Steve Kerr. I mean, I don't think we need to get into this, but I, you know, Steve Kerr is just—I don't even think he's a great coach. I mean, I think he's about to—I think he's going to get out coached. Like, if we're thinking about the winning of the coaching matchup, I think Nick Nurse Nick wins Nurse that. Nick Nurse had an amazing, totally amazing honest. Eastern Conference Finals. It just seemed like every move that Bud had, he was a step ahead. And I have long been high on Nick Nurse. I last year I was wanting the Wizards to fire Scott Brooks to hire Nick Nurse of. Unfortunately, they did not, and uh, he stayed with the Raptors. But I'm a Nick Nurse fan. I think that I think that a lot of what Steve Kerr does is is kind of a personality base. Obviously, he's good with X's and O's, but a lot of it is just managing all of these people who are combust, who combust. So I don't know if I would say that it's necessarily overrated, but I do think that it's a fairly even matchup at the worst for the Raptors in terms of just X's and O's going forward from here on out, scheme-wise, from the coaching staff. All right, so you got yeah. Personnel. I was going to say personnel management's great during the regular season when you have eighty-two games to right. play, but everyone's going to be hyped up for the finals. It doesn't, you know, yeah. I mean, I guess these guys have been here before, but well, I, the the advantage comes to the guy that's going to figure out X's and O's, figure out the right matchups, and that's I, you know, I think it's even a blow away that it's Nick Nurse. Like, I mean, you never seen anything from Steve Kerr that makes you believe in <laughs> believe in him that he's going to come up with some strategy to stop Kawhi or stop. Or, or stop this bench when he's got, you know, inferior athletes out on the floor. So, anyway, that, that was another point I want to bring up to support my All right, so here we go. So we got him in stone. We'll, we'll get – hopefully we can get Derek's pick sent over or posted on the on the Twitter account. So a little bit of accountability. We got RJ with Warriors and six and Hauser with uh, Raptors and seven. I like it. There's two good picks. I, I think there's a little, little, little difference in the opinion, but I think that's – it's it's – very well spoken out, well well articulated. Um, now, so now we're going to our fantasy draft, and uh, for a lot of these, we've done it a little bit more straight up. 
where it would be which team would beat the other, which team would be better, whatever it might be. So we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to do a little bit, a little bit more abstract, a little bit, and we're going to pick our team of five and explain why for the biggest villains in the NBA. You know, obviously the Warriors have been have been seen as this ever existing villains, and they've just ever since Steph was all lovable, then he became not lovable. Draymond was fun and working hard in low draft pick until he became a huge asshole that kicked everybody in the nuts. And now we're picking our starting five. Again, we're sticking with point point guard, shooting guard, or like roughly an NBA roster. And we're going to pick out – we're both teams that have to be have relatively good players but also just massive villains. Uh, and as the guest, I'll allow you to start, Hauser. You can, you can go first with your first pick. I would love to start, but but can I start with last week's draft? You got absolutely killed, man. Were you on like the Chris Ball, James Harden backcourt? I mean, what the hell? I just I just need to cover this before we keep going. Literally, you gave up. You gave up. You give the Warriors. You give the Blazers. You give the Celtics. I I think they have. I think. Sorry. No, let me finish. I think six. Okay, you've picked. They gave the Warriors first, right? Then you took. The Rockets and the Bucks instead of the Blazers. Or the, I mean, I honestly think that six of, of Rice players here uh, are better than every single one of your players besides James Harden. I think his all – honestly, like it's absolutely I'd, – I'd rather have those six players than any single one of you guys besides James Harden. Anyway, it doesn't need to be said, but he, he lost 87 to 13% on the on – the, uh, I think it's the biggest blowout I've ever seen, but he deserves it. Um, so I just wanted to preface that to know, so everyone knows I'm going to win this one because I, I got such an advantage going into this because I'm going against a terrible. Wait, how about this? How about this? How about you give me the first pick then? You you can't take the first pick from me. You know who I'm going to take the first pick. You All right, can't go ahead. That. You can't <laughs> take that. From me. All right, no, number one pick, and it's just like it's Draymond Green. I mean, this guy. <laughs> Holy shit! I, I honestly, I've gotten so I've hated him so much for so long that I, I've actually started to feel like a kindred spirit with him. Like I actually think we might we might becoming friends to be, and it scares me. Like I, I this guy is like a walking just like joke. Like I mean, he's just like every time I see him get this rebound and start pushing up the floor, I just get like this weird like. Like it's like he's like coming in last place in the Kentucky Derby, but he's trying the hardest he can. Like he's like the slow, he's just like meandering up the floor. Looks like so unathletic, and just somehow makes it work. And like, and then, and then, I mean, that's just not on the court. You, get, you know, the other things on the court is he, every single time he takes the ball to the rack, he screams and he. It's like you can you hear him as much as you hear Reggie Miller on a broadcast. Like the guy is like, he's like. Fred- <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have Draymond calling the game for sure. But, like, the guy, I mean, he's, like, every single time, ah, he's screaming. It's nuts. I mean, this guy is so annoying to watch. It really is. And, like, and you know, he's just such a – he's got such a big head for a guy that, like, he has a good role, but he's not like it. He can never take any of these guys one-on-one ever. And, like, there's something about that. Like, when you have such a big head, you can't take these guys one-on-one. It's just, it's just, like – it's just like a little bit much, and then and then you take it out off the court. The guy's a fucking walking mean machine. Between like him freezing on national television for twenty seconds, staring at a reporter watching, a, he's not. He's like, he's a fake robot. I think he was trying to go after Kawhi's name right there. I mean, this guy, I, I, you know, I could go on for Draymond for days, but like, he is one of the most obnoxious players to watch and I hate it so much how much he complains but at the same time it's gotten so far that I actually started to respect think, it and so now he, he's on my team I, I want think the sign of a great villain is somebody that's good enough and annoying or slash hateable enough that you have a reason to hate them in the first place right I mean if they were just some random dude then it wouldn't be that as fun to hate it but instead he's on the NBA finals every year and you get to hate him while he wins championships against your team that's totally fair, and also he's he's literally you put him on any other team in the NBA, and the guy all of a sudden just is literally no one knows who his name is. So I mean, he definitely lucked out there. But I mean, the guy is, I mean, exactly. That's what he makes him such a good villain. I mean, every single year when the Cavs played the Warriors in the finals, like I was literally just like, I fucking want to beat Draymond. <laughs> like I want that guy to be sad. Like, and that's like no one, no one else on Warriors. I mean. 
We'll get into this later, but like Steph, like uh, that guy, whatever. Like, I don't even care about him. But, like Draymond, I just want that guy to get shut the fuck up. And like that's you know that he, that, that what makes that is what makes yeah. him a great villain. So, so I'm very happy you took Draymond first. And I was kind of expecting it, but I was a little worried that you would take that my second pick first, and that is obviously Kevin Durant. And I'll tell you what, I think that Kevin uh, Durant, I think it's it's one of these. It's really funny how I've come full circle on Kevin Durant where. When he went to the Warriors, I, I actually thought it was somewhat defensible. I thought the the way that he described it as wanting to play with a very fun team, play a very fun style. And for the first year, he did play a pretty fun style and was kind of buying into the team concept. Ever since, ever since that first year when he realized that, hey, uh, if I'm playing for the best team of all time with Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson, these people aren't actually going to think I'm better than LeBron, which to be fair, if that's like something you cared about, I mean, that should be like the absolute first thing you should realize. So these people are going to like not give a shit about these titles. But ever since he's just been this huge bitch and he feels like he's getting disrespected and he feels like he's just moping and he's on Twitter liking on the burner account. I mean, this man is, could do anything. He could do anything in, in sort of, I mean, obviously he's one of the most amazing athletes we've seen. He could do anything. He's in Silicon Valley. He has all these investors that would love to go meet with him. He can meet with anybody he wants in Silicon Valley. And he and he made it seem like that was kind of part of the reason why he wanted to go. Sure, it doesn't seem like that right now. And now when he and then like he just consistently is just whining and he's just moping and all this stuff. It's so weak. And you know when this when this guy leaves and and I'm telling you when he's leaving Steph Curry, Steph Curry who allows him to actually. Be able to play one on one and not one on two the way that Jan or one on four the way Giannis was playing this year. Like, could you imagine if Giannis, Giannis and Steph was playing? You think Giannis would be trying to get away from Steph? No fucking way. I mean, this man's Durant is just out here just wanting to get away from this, and he's going to be so sorry when he leaves, and it's going to be so great. And I'm really going to enjoy that. It's going to be so great when he goes to the six and he goes to the Knicks, and they win 45 games, and he gets starts getting booed off of the floor at the Garden. Because they're just don't want to have any part of him. And the New York media is just ripping him to shreds. It's something I'm just very excited for. And I'll tell you what, that's why he is, the, in my opinion, the number one pick for the villain team pretty easily. And my number two pick, my second pick, no, sir, I mean, go ahead. Hold on. Let me let me respond to that. I got to respond to that. I mean, there's a there's a reason. First of all, I like that you slipped in. He's going to go to the six on accident because he <laughs> that would be like him to join the championship. It would be like it. I meant the Knicks, but go ahead. <laughs> That, that would be very much like him. And, and honestly, I just want to put this out there. I know you thought I would have picked the baby back bitch, Kevin Durant, but I, I didn't pick him. And there's a, there's one reason why. It's because I, I'm actually sad for the guy. I think it, it's sad. The guy is – actually, he has – he is just, like, desperate for having a friend. He was with Russell Westbrook, and, like, Westbrook isn't going to show the dude any love. And he's just like, oh, these guys will like me over here. And then, like, the fans will like me because I'm winning and, like, I'm great. And, like, the guy – it's 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 just sad. I don't think he's a villain. I think he's, like – Do you think like this a, is, like, a tragic story? This is, like, this is Shakespeare. He's fallen from grace. Yeah, no, I think he's just falling yeah. from grace, man. The guy's just like he—he's—he's he's like irrelevant at this point. He's like a joke. He's a walking <laughs> joke. Like I think people actually laugh about him. Um, and it's—it's it's amazing the place. The guy went from almost beating the seventy-three win Warriors before they even had the chance to lose the Cavs to joining them when he was like he was. But when in that series he was right. he was transcendent. He was the guy everyone was like, wow, this guy. Challenging, but now he's just like nobody. Like it's sad. It is really sad. Anyway, I want to go right. on your next pick, but that's. I just wanted to justify why I didn't pick. It's because he's not a villain. He's just. A, he's just. All a right. Sad, so I'll say. So man. here's my next pick, and I don't think this is a sad man situation. I think it's just true villainy, and this man is a buster, and it's Chris Paul. And and let me tell you, man, Chris Paul watching this Warriors series against the Rockets, it was. And, and I'm not like I, I like the Warriors a little bit, but I'm not like a super Warriors fan or anything like that. I, re- I like Steph, I like some of these guys. Watching the way that Chris Paul was handling himself in that series just made me just so disgusted with the sport of basketball that they're rewarding the way that he played to try and essentially just draw fouls, even more so than James Harden. And and I understand this. Was that Andre Iguodala? Yeah, it's oh, Andre Iguodala. It was disgusting. And and the thing is, it's kind of weird about it for me is that 
I think part of this is just like he's old and now he's cranky and, and he has to do all this stuff. But he's he's a ball puncher. He's like Draymond. He's a he's a ball puncher. He's he is a dirty player. And and it's really one of these things where I've kind of given him a little bit of a pass because he was so great on the floor and he had such phenomenal plays. But you know, when you step strip away some of that, you just realize like this dude is a cancer in the locker room, what people say, and he's just like a loser. And and you know what? There's a reason why he hasn't made it to a, an NBA Finals because he's a loser and he plays weak and he plays to draw fouls and it's just it's just a real shame. And you know what? Everybody says he's one of the top three point guards of all time. Get out of here with that. It's not true. It's pretty amazing that you said the whole Chris Paul thing. You didn't once bring up the fact that he snuck through the time. I respect that. I respect that actually. <laughs> Uh, I mean, but that's a villainy okay, that's move true. right there. It's a villainy yeah. move, but I respect it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right. Well, I mean, my 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 second pick here is going to be the one James Buckets, and he does go by James <laughs> now. Um, I mean, wow, this guy is actually just like so inspiring to me because I think he hates himself. Like this, you're talking about a guy that you're talking about a guy that went from like community, like you know what he went to community. Well, he, went to Marquette. Marquette. he went to He went to whatever. Well, before Marquette, he went to. Uh, didn't he go to like a? Yeah, he went to he went to a JUCO school. He goes to Marquette for four years, and he's like just an average player at Marquette. And he ends up, you know, more power to the guy. He's come out and he's created like. Uh, you know, a great career for himself. He's a great player. I, I think he's a great player, but man, I mean, just like nothing has ever changed the reputation of a guy more than those 30 minutes at that Timberwolves practice. I mean, you're talking about a guy, and when I say he hates himself, he, he basically went after Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. These guys were anointed from freshman year of college at Kansas and Kentucky that they were going to be the next great thing. And he just like, just was their daddy for in practice. Like, I mean, like absolutely abuse these men. Like you're nothing, you're useless. And like, he's like, he like actually judges people that are superstars. He's just like, he works so fucking hard to get there. He's like, these guys are just, they're just nobodies that can't take the heat, can't take pressure. And like, I respect the fucking hell out of that. Like, I mean, the guy is like, I mean, I hope he gets a max contract with the Sixers and they blow up the process and the guy is just like – just goes off. Or I mean, I don't even know if he's going to – he's probably never going to succeed in the <laughs> NBA. But, man, I mean, just hearing – that story was like the greatest story of the NBA season. I mean, that was so long ago now, but like, wow. Like I – Jimmy Butler or James Butler, sorry, don't, don't, don't mean to disrespect him. That's how he prefers to go. But, I mean, that guy is both talented but also just a mean, <laughs> mean man. Just wants to just. He's a drama I mean, he's just he's just out here. Oh yeah, he's a drama queen. He's a he just want he's selfish and he's just like a. I mean, the guy came from nothing, but like man, you can't tell that shit. I mean, and by the way, you're getting the start of the theme here when you get Draymond and and uh, Jimmy on the same team. Two guys, second round first. Yeah. I guess Jimmy was like thirtieth pick, right? Yeah, you got it. And went four, I think, four years in college in the Big Ten, you know, or not Big Ten, but Marquette's big in East. the Midwest, so it basically counts. Um, and you, Big East, <laughs> but it's in the Midwest, but who cares? Um, you know, you got these guys with chip on the shoulder coming to the NBA, and they're just created superstar them out of themselves, but they're still got that same just fiery intensity and, and just total just like disregard for other superstars. I mean, you're talking about guys that are superstars, they just don't even give a shit about. Um, which I, I just think is hilarious. Um, my third pick here is maybe, maybe a little bit of deviation for the norm here. All right. I, I'm going to go with Russell Westbrook. Um, I mean, the guy is just – he's a villain because I don't know how the fuck Paul George plays with that guy ever since. Like, why the <laughs> fuck he went back to the Thunder after talking to that guy? The guy is the most selfish dude in the – like, not, I, I wouldn't put the NBA. Maybe the self, most selfish dude in the country. Like, I mean, this guy – like, the, my favorite thing is look at videos of Russell Westbrook stealing rebounds <laughs> from his teammates so he gets his stats. Like, that's – that is unheard of in a professional sport. I mean, this guy heard all of his grade school coaches talk about how team's so important and that's how you win games. Bro, like, bro, he's got so many assists, man. All the assists like, are helping the team, don't they? <laughs> yeah. All the assists. That, and then he fucking passes the ball and the guy misses a shot. He starts screaming at them on the bench because he just missed a triple-double. Like, I mean, this guy, I mean – He's never gonna win, like ever. never. I mean, he's just like he's already he's run his body out. He's done. 
Like the guy, he can't even he, like he got absolutely destroyed by Damian Lillard, who just absolutely is the actually the polar opposite of the guy, who literally is like the most selfless team leadership, all about the team. And then he, he goes against Russ, and he just destroys Russ. And you know what Russ is going to do? He's going to double down on his own <laughs> shitty personality of like you know whatever. And then that's just on the court. You take him off the court. You seen the way this guy dresses? I mean, this guy just dresses like he's a villain trying to find his like his like niche. Right. He's trying to find his audience guys that support him so i mean i i mean I, i'm gonna stick with russ here so I, I got i got jimmy i got james buckets russ and you i got, got, you got uh, no I shooting on your team but, so far. it's all right no need shooting this is this is the 1990s <laughs> so i'm gonna take one that i think people may have forgotten about to be honest with you but i'm gonna take d'angelo russell and i think that something that's very important to remember is that and this is something that's just a personal thing that I just don't really respect. I don't respect narcs. And uh, D'Angelo Russell is the king of the narcs out here narking on Swaggy P and uh, letting, letting everybody know about what he was doing against Iggy or whatever it might have been. And I think it's one of these things that's pretty interesting because now I think the other thing with sometimes with villains for me is his players that I think are a little bit overrated. And D'Angelo Russell, and even more so than just overrated, it's certain players that have fans – that are, I don't know, I don't want to say bad fans is like not a great term, but just like they don't really understand the game on some level. D'Angelo Russell, he was fine. He had, a, he had a fine season. He was average efficiency. He was worse than Luka Doncic in pretty much every stat, in my opinion. And I just think that it's one of these things where people see D'Angelo and they're like, oh, he had an insane year. Oh, he's so great. Oh, I mean, was he even better than Spencey Dinwiddie? And then on top of that, right, he's out here being a narc. And I just think that you just can't be out here respecting any sort of narc behavior in this society. And I think it's it's kind of similar in the opposite of the way that Chris Paul is accurately trying to draw fouls, doing some sort of insurance fraud. And I think for both of these two guys, it's kind of a yin and yang of uh, two haters and two villains, in my opinion. And next up, I'm going to take one that uh, some people might not see as a villain, but I think is pretty clearly a villain. And that's Christoph Porzingis. And I think there's um, obviously some some serious concerns here, which we're going to avoid for the purposes of making jokes, because that's not really something I think is appropriate to joke about with Christoph Porzingis. However, I think the way that he left New York, I mean, you're just laughing and just talking about how shitty New York is. I mean, that's some way to leave an organization. You see other players that leave an organization with class, even if they've been traded. And then Christoph is out here laughing and joking about the Knicks, shitting on the biggest city in the U.S., the most important city of the U.S., the economic powerhouse of the United States. He's out here in Dallas. And he's going to be playing second fiddle to Luka Doncic. And I'll tell you what. I mean, I'll make a prediction here right now. It's not going to go too well if he's completely second fiddle the entire time to Luka. And he is going to be second fiddle to Luka because Luka's better than him. And so how that could, how they're going to coexist is going to be pretty interesting because clearly they, he couldn't coexist in New York. And he had to get run out of town. And you know what? I just don't really respect guys that just out here giving a finger to New York specifically, but also just to their hometowns in general. I don't think it's a good look. Yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how the three Dirks do down in Dallas uh, and who gets the who gets the replacement down there. I actually, I, I think Kristaps is a bit of a dark horse for me as well. I mean, I, I thought about taking him uh, just given that. I mean, I, you talk, the guy got just beat the fuck up by awesome someone. I wonder what for. so Does that even make him a villain? I mean, the guy is like a – he gets beat up by a random fan. And he's an NBA athlete. He's, he's, seven foot he's just a coward. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, back to my squad here. Uh, and I think this next one's going to shock folks. But I, you know, I really, I really figured out this hatred in the in the Western Conference semifinals. That's that's Nikola Jokic. Um, I know it's a bit of a shocker, but there's a couple reasons for this. One. Um, man, that guy is like an Eastern European asshole. I know that sounds bad, but like when you watched him play, he just like just would grab Damian Lillard by the neck when he's going to the rim and just like look to the ref like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just tired. Like it's not, it's not a big deal. Like and that's just like pretty fucked up. Like this guy is huge. And 
you know, it, not only the dirty play and like you can talk, I can talk all, for all night about how he just like would survive on five fouls for 20 minutes for some reason because he's a superstar in the NBA despite just following the shit out of people that he was guarding. He he is the oh, most boring basketball player in, to watch in the NBA. Today. And 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 here's and here's why. And and, and I, you know what? You hear people talk about Grady. He's a great passer. He's a great finisher. He's a skilled big man. How excited is to watch a skilled big man? Well, you know what? You know what? It's like watching a monkey juggle. You watch a monkey juggle one time, and you're like, "Wow, that's really cool." And the second time, you're like, "This is just like so boring." Like, I like I've seen this. This is a cool bit. Like, uh, but I'm over it. Like when he, when Jokic makes a great pass, you know, it's great. But then, like on the next time, I'm like, okay, this is just kind of what he does, and like it's just an average pass for most NBA players. I'm just people just talk about it because he's like seven foot tall and he can do great things. Like it is legitimately infuriating watching this guy play, and people praise him for being like this crazy talent that everyone's excited to watch. No one wants to watch Nikola Jokic. There's a reason no one wants Nuggets this game. I mean, Jamal Murray's one reason because it's just irrelevant. But like Jokic is not an entertaining player to watch. You watch the guy lumber up the floor like he's carrying a thirty pound weight on his. Start 30, 300 pound weight on his back. The guy's just like, he's the slowest dude you've ever seen. And sure, he's got a little skill, but like the guy is just like, he, he's so unentertaining and uninteresting to watch that he's a villain just from the fact that they put him on the television set every weekend. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And like, you know what? I'm going to, you know, when you combine that with the fact that this guy is like a sneaky, actual dirty player, like he's a dirty player, sneaky. Like no one, no one talks about it, but the guy does dirty shit. If you watch him play, like he just grabs shit, he fouls intentionally. He's just, he's just not a you know good player. Like he's not a clean player. And, and you know, you combine those two things, and this guy, no, you know, he, I bet no one would have picked him on this list. Sure. But he is going to be a villain. Yeah, he is going to be a villain. I'm telling you, people, and tell me in three years that you're excited to watch Nikola Jokic play. Play in the Western Conference uh, <laughs> semifinals and get swept by whoever the hell he's playing. He's just an irrelevant player. I mean, honestly, I mean he's he's good, but like, geez, he can never carry a team. He's just on he's on entertaining to watch. I mean, I would never want to be like, man, top twenty <laughs> players I want to watch. Jokic, he's right up there. Um, all right, so my last player here is 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 you know I think someone that's probably going to be pretty expected here, but <laughs> it's Patrick Beverly. I mean. This guy, I actually, uh, you know, I watched every single Clippers Warriors game just to watch Patrick Beverly. Why? Because I hate, I fucking hate Steph. Or Seth, Steph. Um, I hate Steph. And uh, and Beverly, just the way he plays the game, you can tell, you can see how much he angers the people around him. Like he legitimately makes the people he guards so mad, so like so mad. And it's so entertaining to watch that. I mean, that is—he is a guy that is an actual true villain of anyone on this list, and he embraces it. I mean, he talks about it how he, he embraces his defensive attitude, but like the guy is an elite defender, and he is just so exciting to watch because he gets under the skin of the people he's with, and he guards every single game. It doesn't matter—he could be guarding them in the twentieth <laughs> game of the regular season, and he, that guy's going to be like. Angry as all hell because Patrick Beverly is playing like a man possessed out there. I mean, I I just you know I respect the hell out of Patrick Beverly, and I think he's an incredible villain. He's like the villain that I love to hate the most. I mean, other than Draymond, he's the villain that I probably love to hate the most in the NBA because it's so fun to watch that guy just get under the skin of that. <laughs> so I'm going to say my last pick is going to be kind of on a similar vein, and that's Zaza Pachulia. And I say that similar vein as a guy who. Uh, Oh. Who uh, and not only is he a villain in so much that he seems he, people do not like him, but he also just injures a lot of people and is, just seems to be trying to do it. And, and I'll tell you what, and one thing that I think is really important on my team, and you know, to this point, you made a great point about Chris Stops. He's not really, he got beat up in a club. D'Angelo Russell doesn't really seem like the type of guy that's all that tough. Kevin Durant is a frail, frail man. Chris Paul maybe could fight. I think I, I think the Zaza is a guy that if, if we're going out to the villains bar, he he's got us covered in, in a bar fight. And you know what? If if you got he'll be standing in front and he'll be able to be able to man man both sides and be like, you know what? I'll take any comers. We're fine. We're fine here. 
And uh, I think that you need somebody to be able to fight a little bit. I think Russell, for you, will be able to fight. Nikola Jokic got that Eastern European attitude, as does Zaza. And I think that when you, look, when you think about Zaza, is just a guy that um, I don't respect, first of all. And additionally, I just think that he's just – I mean, the injuring stuff is pretty bad, man. You can't have people out here just injuring players on purpose. It's messed up. So that's not cool. He ruined the whole Spurs series with him getting under Kawhi's feet. And I think that he's, he's a very solid villain and also fits my need for some sort of a, a second big man. I think it fits. So I think uh, – I mean, Zaza, Zaza <laughs> could probably win 1v5, to be honest. That dude is like an actual – I mean, that guy is terrible. He's a terrible human. He's that – I mean, I almost put on a scanner on here just to joke about, uh, you know – He's a villain to his home country, but I decided not to in the place of a joke. Um, oh, these yeah, are two that, great teams. That's all. Two I'm pretty happy with my The only one I have a serious uh, issue with is Jokic, but you know what? You, know, you, you argued it. You argued it fine. You argued it fine. Dude, did you want All right, so here we got. So we got for my team, RJ's team, we got point guard. We got Chris Paul, shooting guard, D'Angelo Russell, small forward, Kevin Durant, power forward, Chris Porzingis, and center, Zaza Pachulia. And for Hauser's team, and, and overall, uh, I just want to make sure that Russell Westbrook is my shooting so guard, Pat not Bell. my point guard. We got just, just Pat to be Bell totally point guard. We got Russ yeah, Westbrook at shooting guard where he belongs. We got Jimmy Butler at the three. We have Draymond at the four and Jokic at the five. Wow, these are just two electric teams right here. Uh, we will put this up on the corner three Twitter for you to vote on the poll. I think this is going to be. The more one of the more interesting polls that we have because um, a lot of ways to look at it, and I think that and I think a lot of it depends on um, who, how, who, what the corner three following demographic looks like. Um, I have a feeling that since there's so many New Yorkers, I might have a little bit of an upper hand there with Chris. But well, we will see. Um, is there anything else before this was a really fun episode? I had a, a great time being able to take a little bit more light stuff. Obviously, we had the heavy stuff with the, with the finals, but. A little bit more of the light stuff with um, some sort of uh, thinking about who are the who are the guys you will love to hate. But uh, anything else you want to add before we sign off here, Hauser? Oh, That's yeah. all I have. Hope to be. Thank you so much for joining us today, Hauser. And um, we will post everything. We'll post this up online. And thank you for listening. If you made it all the way here, uh, this was a fun one, and uh, hope to do it again. All right. Thanks. Have a great one. Thank you.